Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hi, this is Marion Bartoli. I'm Mats Villander. This is Mary Carrillo. I'm Stan Wawrinka. I'm Leighton Hewitt. I'm Andy Murray. This is Yannick Noah, and you're listening to the Tennis Podcast. Well, I'm on my second beer. Catherine's on her third. I've just called the name of mine wrong. Um, what's it called, really? What's his real name? I'm on my second beer, David. Let's no, you're not, not mislead. You've just opened your third, haven't you, Catherine? It's in a queue. It's in, it's in a queue. Right, okay. Uh, so, yeah, I'm drinking San Miguel, apparently. I thought it was called San Miguel, <laughs> but not to worry. Uh, I've had three of them. Um, we've just watched the men's singles final, and it is the sort of final that makes me feel like I've had about five beers, even if I hadn't. Because uh, it's it was a meandering, delirious. <sighs> I don't really know how to sum it up. It was just but onkers. Yeah, I'm slightly worried that the match is just a big blur in my mind, and I'm going to struggle to talk about what actually happened. I can remember very strongly the feeling of it happening and how I felt watching it. I think that will be etched into my mind forever because it was one of those matches where by the end I was just so on edge and so tense for both players. Um, but trying to rationalise what happened might be quite a difficult task, I think. Mm. Is it a bit like last year's final when Rafael Nadal led two sets to love and a break and that looked over, and then suddenly it was in a fifth set. Is it a bit like that? No, I don't think so. It was far lower quality, I would say, throughout. <laughs> I thought I thought last year's final was really good, like the whole time. This one was patchy, but the idea of it being not that interesting because it's looking like it's going to be a straight sets win. And then suddenly you don't want the match to end and you kind of want it to go on forever. In that sense, it was similar. But I don't think quality-wise or sort of the reasons for why it ended up being such a dramatic match were that similar at all. I also think that Medvedev's comeback last year was completely unexpected, I think, against somebody like Nadal or not somebody like, against Nadal, if you're two sets to love down in your first Grand Slam final, very few people are predicting a way back. I think even at two sets and a breakdown today, people will 
I think most people watching were waiting for Dominic Team to wake up and waiting for something that felt like surely it has to happen. Surely at some stage today, even if it's only a small resurgence, you know, a a break back, pushing the set to a tie break or winning a set, people were waiting to see the real Dominic Team. It felt it felt like only a matter of time and whether he could get it together in time before it was over. Um, but for me, that was quite a, quite a crucial difference in how this one felt to how well, last I, year felt. I will remember this match, I think, in the long run for the final set and for the final set tiebreak. But you can't have that without the other stuff that comes before. It's just the way it goes. So let's talk about that. Let's talk about the start of the match and how weird it was. It was weird. It was, I mean, first of all, Alexander Zverev, totally different man to the guy who came out against Pavlika in a buster and looked just totally paralyzed with nerves and unable to play his normal game. He looked free out there for those first two sets. He looked languid. He has that... He has a languid power, unlike anybody else, I think. When you he sort of generates speed of shot, whether it's the serve of 137 miles an hour or a forehand that's kind of hit the back fence without you realizing he's actually hit it that hard. I don't think anybody else gives me that kind of feeling out on the circuit at the moment. You can I can feel the power of everybody else. His is almost a sleight of hand the way he does it. But he was just timing the ball way, way better. And also the intent was there and he was coming into the net. I mean, the the statistics on his net approach is, I think after a, a, set, a set and a half, he'd, he'd gone to the net 20 times uh, and with some success. I mean, he, he looks uncomfortable at the net, but he was just playing the odds almost, just using his six foot six inches, his wingspan, great ground strokes, get into the net. And Dominic team was absolutely awful. <laughs> what was going on with Dominic team in those first two sets? I mean, he was appallingly bad, wasn't he? I thought he was injured. Well, he's just been in his press conference and said that it was all nerves. He was so, so tight throughout the whole day. And it just affected him when he got on the court in those first first two sets and he couldn't generate the kind of power that he usually gets on his strokes because he was so tight um and that was that was the striking thing for me he was lacking his usual explosion into the ball and his dynamic aggressive movement he was it was a dismal first two sets and I've not I've not seen him play like that in in years so it it was clear that something had to be going on I I agree I I thought maybe that there was the continued problem of the Achilles, but he's he's put it down to nerves, and it was it was really curious because I was before the match in my head, kind of visualizing what I thought the rallies might look like, and it was not like that at all. I thought they would have long, extended rallies, and team would push Zverev off the court. It wasn't the case at all, and Zverev did an incredible job of shortening the points and. As you said, coming to the net, his his touch and his half volleys were 
a revelation, to be honest. Not not always, as you said, done looking particularly convincing, but they got the job done. And he looked totally in command, Alexander Zverev. Um, even his serve, he'd figured out how to cover up the problems he was having by serving and volleying on it. And it kind of gave him that forward momentum on his second serves. And it wasn't too bad to begin with. But it was definitely... It was definitely the case that team was flat and lackluster and he has put that down to just feeling completely over overwhelmed and racked with nerves. I love that honesty. Uh, and and it does make p- perfect sense now that now that I know that. I wish we wish we knew that at the time really <laughs> because it just felt so curious at the time. Yeah, especially with the the, the Achilles injury mystery thrown into the into the mix, different mix to the usual mix. Um, yeah, a bit of a red red herring. I mean, maybe it was something that, that the fact that maybe that was playing on his mind, if not an actual injury, just that that fear of ah, I had I had a bit of a thing in my last match. What if it flares again? Ah, you know that overthinking thing. Have you ever? Have either of you ever? felt tight the kind of tight that tennis players feel in big matches do, do either of you feel like you've ever experienced that I mean obviously we've all felt nerves I feel nerves all the time but that I don't think that's the same then you know it's not I mean maybe they have jittery tummy and pounding heart and sweaty palms and all the rest of it as well but you know the way tennis players describe having heavy legs and you know an yeah. arm that weighs a ton and all the rest of it. Do you I would feel say like yes. you've ever felt that? Yeah, I have. To tell me what it feels like. Um I think the only thing I could say is if And when did it happen? <laughs> well it's happened a number of times. Um but I think the only way that I could give you a, a sample of how it might affect people like us is if you went into a live TV studio and suddenly felt like you weren't going to be able to do it, <laughs> you know, when you went live on air. And, you know, I've definitely felt yeah, that Yeah, no, I, 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 can, I can imagine it, but I have never mm, felt that, felt that the way tennis players describe it. I have mm. felt tremendous nerves and anxiety on an almost daily basis <laughs> in my life. But... But I can't, I, I wish I could just for a split second, not for too long because it sounds awful, but I wish I could just feel it for a second so I could I would, really I would say, understand I would what say it's your, like. your experience is the opposite because you, you're almost like a number of the players who when they get on the big stage, that's them at their best. Um, that's when they feel they're most comfortable. When the actual, in your case, when the light goes on, you actually start broadcasting. I've somehow I mean, made this about me, or you no, somehow made it about me. But it's interesting, isn't it? But it because it is a, it is something that a, it's just a very human reaction to to something that you desperately, desperately want to go well, uh, and it means that much to you. And, and, and look, I think most, a lot of people who've maybe done exams or they've gone to a job interview or they've just had a, a massive moment in their, in their lives have had this. Uh, I've definitely had it. Um, but, but, I, but, but, I th- but do you understand what I mean? Meaning by sort of the, the, I'm talking about the manifestation of it. I'm not talking about the feeling of intense nerves and, and caring. 
No, but but I'm saying that I I think the tangible effects of actually I can't do what I normally can do. I just can't do it um, because I'm too tight. It it just doesn't isn't happening. Um, Yeah, I I I, now I wish I could. I kind of like to watch the match again now that I know what he said because it all totally makes sense. I I just have been. I I I rewatched a a little bit just now. I was interrupted by you know. A Zoom call from you two. <laughs> Wonder why you look so annoyed. <laughs> Which part did you rewatch? Uh, so I watched um, sort of the very opening exchanges, and then I fast forwarded to three, four in the fifth. Oh, set. okay. Because yeah, I just fast forwarded to three, four. <laughs> right. I wanted to see Dominic team sort of trying to settle. I wanted to sort of see his face again and, and yeah, exactly, with the benefit of hindsight and what he said. Um, and he was clearly extremely nervous. So how did he work his way back into it then? He's two sets to love down. How did it turn around that he ended up in a fifth set? Well, I think, I mean, Zverev had a break in the third set and played a poor game to get broken back. And I think Zverev, once he got into the lead... Once the finish was in sight, to me, he tightened and he started retreating further further and further behind the baseline. And team was suddenly in a position where, hang on a minute, I need to get a move on in this match. And he, he started playing a whole lot better. And the rallies got a much longer and they started resembling the sort of rallies that he wanted to be having. And then it felt quite natural that team would go on from there and win, as you said. I mean, as as we said yesterday, once once the match turned to one that team was comfortable with, he's the better player, and he won those third and fourth sets without too much fuss. And that was the match I was expecting. Team sort of dominating from the back of the court, and Zverev not really quite being able to live with him, having problems with his serve, and it, it suddenly felt familiar. And I was like, oh, okay, this match suddenly makes sense to me after a first two sets which were perplexing because team was so nervous and couldn't find the court and Zverev was really impressive the third and fourth sets were much more much more what I was expecting and then all hell broke loose in the fifth set but we'll get to that (laughs) yeah it's amazing how quickly you you would you would just on a micro scale within a match, you adjust your expectations. And I felt exactly the same kind of as soon as team broke back in the third set, I was like, Oh, well, this is going to five then like this, this is, you know, normal service resumed. It's what's come up to now has been an aberration. Not necessarily. I don't mean in terms of Zverev playing really, really well. Um, I yeah, just in terms of what you were saying, Matt, about the pattern of the match, the the pace of the match. Um, yeah, it was just right. Okay, so so now now we're into the match. Then um, it's going to go to a fifth set. Let's get there and see what happens. And and it it happened. <laughs> the uh, the fifth set was made everything else worthwhile. Everything. Because I, I think around after, after four sets, the general gist of what I was getting on social media and through other 
broadcasters and through our conversations on WhatsApp with your brother, Catherine, was that this is not great and not into this particularly. Um, let's get to the good bit uh, of finding out who wins. Um, I don't know whether you feel that, but that, that's how I felt. I wasn't, I wasn't massively into it. Um, I, there was there were some moments that I enjoyed, but um, but I wasn't massively into it. But the fifth set will have me remembering this match with great affection, enormous affection, um, because of what it meant to them both and what they showed, how much they showed that it meant to them and how it affected them, how it manifested itself with them barely being able to put tennis balls in the court. I mean, they had some rallies at the end there that I'm thinking I, I could win this rally against these two. <laughs> okay, maybe that's an exaggeration. But, you know, they, they were, I, felt, I felt so sorry for them that they were struggling that much, but it just, it was an excruciating but beautiful thing seeing how much a tennis match meant to them both. And watching them try to sort of wrestle with that. The most relatable set of tennis in a Grand Slam final of all time, do you think? Probably, well, if yeah. You think that, if you think that, I mean, it's not very often you get, and it's certainly not not very often in men's tennis in the last goodness knows how many years, that you get two players in this position. Dominic team is in his fourth Grand Slam final He's been there and done it. Why is he getting nervous? Well, he's not facing no Rafael Nadal at the French Open, and he's not facing Novak Djokovic at the Australian Open. He's facing Alexander Zverev. He's supposed to beat him, and he's so nervous. The racket doesn't feel like the racket normally does in his hand. Simple as that. For the whole day. And the 68-mile-an-hour serve was incredibly relatable. I mean, match point down, Zverev's second serve crept over the net at 68 miles an hour. It was one of my favourite tennis moments ever, just slightly averting my eyes to look at the shot clock while the rally was ongoing. <laughs> I needed to know how slow that serve was. And I was I was not expecting it. Even though it was so slow, I just thought, oh, it would be somewhere in the 70s. When did 68. that come? 68. That came... In, in the t- you fast-forwarded to the yeah, tiebreak. Sorry, break. I have. I was just... <laughs> Just on the topic of was, just on the topic of relatability, that was no, understood, yeah. understood. But I mean, there was a relatable <laughs> bit at five four because finally, after duking it out, Zverev breaks, or was it five three? Zverev breaks and serves for the for the title, which felt like a cruel experiment. I thought trying to yes. let's see if Zverev can serve for a Grand Slam title and in an empty stadium, in an empty during, stadium. A fan, during a pandemic. <laughs> And the answer was quite emphatic. <laughs> Poor guy. Yeah. Is there, a, is there ever been more match, certainty boy, that somebody won't hold serve ever? I mean, it really didn't feel like he was going to hold serve. No. 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 no just zero <laughs> chance. Just no chance. Though even, I mean, obviously there was no atmosphere in the stadium to, but, you know, even the tone of the commentators, usually after a match like that, Come back from two sets, love down. You know, you get a break in the fifth set and someone's left serving for it. There'd be this real dramatic, climactic feel to the commentary. And they knew they knew that that wasn't the climax. So they they held something back. Um, and maybe that's unfair to Alex Varev, but 
I mean, it, as it turned out, it very much wasn't unfair <laughs> to Alexander Zverev. I really, I mean, it was so human um, and so, and, and in the end, extremely endearing. Um, but it was excruciating as well. It's, it's not meant as as criticism. Who are we to criticise them in that way? And like, like, oh, it, it, sorry. I mean, it, for me, it's a compliment. I, I love seeing people that want it so much and care s- so much that the caring is ruining it. <laughs> um, yeah, for, I, I love that, and I, I consider it a compliment. I mean, not a compliment to to the Zverev second serve necessarily. <laughs> Team <laughs> then gets himself six five up and serves for the title, and loses his serve. <laughs> <laughs> and and into the tiebreak we go. And what was it? This was the fiftieth anniversary of the tiebreak at the U.S. Open, and the first time the tiebreak has ever been used to decide the men's singles championships. And that's right, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, just just extraordinary how that happened. And um, I think this whole this whole period in the match revealed that tennis doesn't necessarily have to be the highest quality to be enthralling basically just entertain me that's what i want when i watch a tennis match and this was so incredibly compelling kind of because they were both struggling and caring so much and wanting it so much it kind of reminded me of a of like a deciding frame in snooker where normally they pop the ball so easily in snooker it can be it isn't always completely compelling to watch it's it's sort of so impressive that they're so good at it but actually the really exciting frames are where they're missing and showing how how hard it actually is to pop the balls and in 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 the tennis case how hard it is to serve for your first grand slam title that to me is thrilling and i will watch that over and over again and that's what i want it's great if they're both playing well at the same time and you get brilliant tennis in important moments but it's it's equally good really if they're both struggling a little bit and it's dramatic it's theater i've just put it back on (laughs) not that i'm not (laughs) not that i'm not enjoying seeing both your faces but i thought i'll just pop it on in the background unfortunately i've timed it badly because i'm watching um team get a very intimate thigh rub and an extremely <laughs> close-up shot on that <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> and there was a moment which we haven't discussed in terms of when the quality was incredible which was at team serving at four five sorry 30 all team hit back to back incredible forehands down the line for winners one of them falling backwards at 98 miles an hour onto the line and 30 miles per hour faster than uh, (laughs) on match point and in the end i just thought no not match point yeah what was it on the match point in the time match point yeah yeah um in the end i thought yes this match was crazy yes it was difficult to understand but in that moment it did actually reveal something about them as players and that team was the braver one and the bolder one. And when it was, when it was really tight and when he, when he was down, he still went for it. And Zverev held back a tad. And that, that is something he struggles with. And in the tightest moments, it came out, I thought. Their characters were revealed. And when we got into that tie break, team starts 
cramping pretty horrifically at the start of that tire break and there were there were points where he's rolling his arm over and he's not bending his knee you know he usually does a really pretty exaggerated knee bend into a serve and he throws his whole torso into it he didn't do that in the tie break he just sort of rolled his arm over because he couldn't and he still didn't didn't he still hit his fastest serve of the entire match whilst doing that at three all in the tie break 132 mile per hour serve which for team is huge that i i think it might be equal fastest for the tournament and he he did it without bending his knees <laughs> uh it, i do not know f- from whence that came no but uh, it, and and just to pick up on what Matt was saying about the the character being revealed and what you've described there, how contrasting is that to their off-court personas where hmm. um, Zverev is the, um, oh, God, I'm tired. Give me a word for ballsy that isn't gendered someone. Ah, this is Gutsy. the problem with the patriarchy. Um, <laughs> No, I don't mean gutsy. Cocky? Uh, co- yeah. Zverev's the is, cocky is, one is, and, is and team is the... Gendered? Yes. Also, oh, crikey. <laughs> oh, the world is so disappointing. Um, give me... <laughs> give me something else. Confident? Arrogant? Um, plucky? No. Well... No, it's not right. There is no non-gendered word for what I'm wanting to describe. <laughs> Goodness me, we've unearthed a, an issue. Um, Especially not after For another beers. day. <laughs> okay, let's go with cocky and 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 agree to uh, discuss alternatives at a at a later date. Um, yeah, he's the god. It's not even that interesting a point. Um, yeah. <laughs> Away from the court, it's it's very of the one that that's far more out there in terms of what he's prepared to say and how much of himself he's sort of prepared to reveal. Um, and team is the completely reserved one, isn't he? He's extremely sort of earnest and kind of safe in in what he says. Unless you kick him out of an interview room. <laughs> yes. What the hell? Yes, another character revealing moment. What the hell? <laughs> it's a joke. Oh no, that was that was a bit Scottish. <laughs> Same thing. Um, yeah, um, but but it wasn't over then because team gets to six four up in the tiebreak and he has two match points and it's over. You think it, it's over? And he loses that two, those two points. I mean, I can't exactly remember the points. But I just know he lost them. He missed a forehand into the net on one of them and a forehand wide on one of them. The second one being the point that started with the 68-mile-an-hour serve. And he was so far back, he, he, sort of, he sliced the return. It was a 68-mile-an-hour serve and he sliced it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Even I I'd was, attack that. I was desperate for him. Do you remember when, I mean, it feels like a lifetime ago, when Andy Murray played Zverev at the Western and Southern mm-hmm. Open and he was just trolling his serve 
and trying to coax double faults out of him. It was it was rude. I've got to say, team's positioning for the second, for the serve was just absurd, ridiculous. I mean, I know I know he likes to load up on the ball and and he and he can be aggressive from back there, but he wasn't being aggressive from back there. He, it seemed like he was just had no confidence and comfort that he was going to be able to get a proper good read on the ball. So he just he was just trying to get it back in. And maybe he was wary of Zverev going for two first serves, just going for bombs on on both. I mean, I'm sort of playing devil's advocate. I agree with you, David. But I mean, is there ever been is there ever been a bigger case of feast or famine on serve? Because he was either. I mean, just on second serve. I mean, obviously the disparity between the first serve and the second serve. But on second serve, he was kind of either going for a nerve-jangling 75-mile-per-hour at best or a, or a first serve, which could, which could be 140. My favourite was when he, he played a 105-mile-an-hour first serve that missed and then a 136-mile-an-hour <laughs> second serve that, that almost killed team. <laughs> That's the thing, because he was so so reluctant on the second serve reluctant to even get himself in a situation where he had to hit the second serve he was taking pace off the first serve to to get it in it was i mean it was layers upon layers of serving psychology well, going when they, on when they changed ends at six all i i was i to think I'm not sure this match can actually end in a conventional manner. They might need to uh, like stop the fight or something, you know, like a referee coming and just declaring a winner or something because they they just looked as though they couldn't handle it at all. Either one of them. <laughs> oh, I felt so sorry for them when they were the 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 the, the horrors they were going through. I've just rewatched Zverev double faulting it two one up. With a mini break and a tie break, it is so painful. There's another double fault in a minute. He uh, he hit two in the tie break, I think. Um, and the other thing about the tie break that was jarring and scarring was seeing team physically unable to last. I was so surprised by that because if there's one thing that I will always back team to be, it is physically strong. Okay, I did think it slightly let him down in Australia a little bit in that fifth set against Djokovic as well. He does he does expend so much energy into every shot that maybe I'm I need to rethink and maybe team does get a bit a little bit fatigued in fifth sets. But this wasn't a particularly grueling five setter in terms of the rallies. They weren't they weren't really lengthy. So it was it was kind of shocking to see. And then he's just come into his press conference and said that that was all nerve related as well he he was he thinks he was cramping because he was nervous and that there's that connection isn't there between the psychological and the physical and he was feeling that and he said he'd never he hadn't cramped for years and it was the occasion and the nerves that forced him to cramp and isn't i mean that is that is again such honesty but also I just love it. but also just uh, just an illustration of what they were feeling out there and Kind of as you said, Catherine, yes, it was a relatable final, but I find that really difficult to relate to in terms of nerves physically incapacitating you. I, I, I don't think I have experienced that. Mm. I think I have. 
but I also but just watching it that that element of it made the final those nerves and what they what it meant to them to get over the line one or the other and the other one not to that's what will be taken from this final because it there wasn't enough good tennis for it to to be memorable on its own for that um and there was good tennis you know i don't, I don't, I'm not, I don't want to diss the final in that regard completely but it became memorable it finished eight six in the fifth set tie break for team sitting on his chair afterwards in hysterics at the absurdity of it all and how edgy he was that he ended up just collapsing into laughter and poor old Zverev's face I mean I find him a hard guy to like sometimes um, or to pull for he's not he's not the one I instantly pull for he just isn't and that may be due to me not being that into his game. It may be because he's so chippy sometimes and and arrogant. But I've never doubted how much he loves it, how much he desperately, desperately wants to be the best and how he wants to achieve, how hard he's trying to achieve. And he is, we've talked about this before, he is one of the very best post-match interviews on court. Yeah. Uh, or post-match speakers. He he has a lovely way about just taking the microphone and I mean he can ramble a bit. <laughs> it can go on forever, but I mean he but he connects with you because you just feel like at that point he just lays it all bare. He's not trying to defend. He's not trying to protect. He's just telling you how he feels. And when he did take the microphone and he talked about his parents and uh, and and that they they were they tested positive for the coronavirus and they weren't there and you could just feel everything that they'd gone through as a family together at that point uh and 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 actually what a good guy alexander zverev is really when you strip away the arrogance and when you strip away the sort of privilege that has probably been built up over how many ever years he's been told he's going to be this that or the other uh and and the opportunities he's been given strip all that back and he's actually just a competitor who wants to wants to show he's got it he's desperate to and it was heartbreaking to him that he couldn't get over the line and, and he couldn't do it and he blew it um so yeah i really really i think we all felt for him at that point i think everybody watching him felt for him oh gosh yeah i mean i was i was crying in the prime video studio daniela and i were i mean daniela cries in every a trophy presentation ceremony I've ever seen her witness. It just, it just, it just gets to her. Um, but I, I was crying as well. Um, it was definitely his, you know, I'm getting closer moment for me anyway. You know, I, I love it when they show the humanity and lay it all bare. Um, and, you know, I also love it when they, well, it gets to me when they have their parents watching, but it turns out even worse is when their parents should have been watching and were prevented from being from being there. That really got to me. But but is that what you think, David? Did he blow it? That's the big question, isn't it? Did he blow it? Well, yeah, he did. He was he was serving for the match, and he didn't have that wrenched from his grasp on a, a, on just team shots. He uh, he 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 tightened up. And how he's, he's six foot six. He's got a one hundred and thirty-seven mile an hour serve. I mean, I'm, and, and look, I'm not. I mean, he tried his best. He just couldn't handle the moment. 
He just couldn't serve out when it mattered. So how does he stop this now scarring him deeply? I mean, really deeply. Next time, if he gets himself in that position again, serving for the match of his life, how does this not affect him? Well, it might. It might. Uh, And it certainly wouldn't be surprising if it did. And I, I, I do fear for him a little bit in that regard in as much as A, it's um, it's your first one, and it's not the not the big three for a start. He may have to go through a year or two of still. I mean, what happens when he plays Djokovic in his next final, for instance, and Djokovic isn't nervous? Maybe. Um, so, it, it, I think the assumption is that oh, he'll have, as they always say, and Dominic Team was at pains to say, you'll have loads more opportunities. And actually, they're very close, of course, those two. Um, maybe he won't for a start. There are other good players. But I, I think from a Zverev perspective and looking at other people who have lost several finals and gone on to, and bear in mind he's only lost one, but lost several and gone on to then win. Murray did it. Ivan Lendl did it. Well, you keep putting yourself in the position, don't you? And I, and I actually really like the fact that Zverev, who's got this, who's got the yips on his serve at times and has got this real Achilles heel with it, doesn't shy away still keeps putting himself out there steep still keeps being prepared he's prepared to fail time after time he's prepared to fail and I, I respect him for that and i think the way i look at it is that if he'd won this slam it would have been the kind of tennis equivalent of a football smash and grab he it, it was kind of like pinching a one nil win away at man city he'd all tournament, he'd been sitting deep, playing defensively. But then when it really mattered in the final to begin with, he was outstanding. And it was almost like he just sort of grabbed it right at the end, but he didn't quite. But I actually think as much as there's been talk of Zverev as a potential Grand Slam champion for a long time, game-wise, I don't think he's particularly ready to be a Grand Slam champion when you consider the the holes and the and the frailties that he has in his game, particularly the serve. But, I mean, his forehand was great today, but also his forehand can break down. And, you know, he obviously he did, he did very well to get to the final of this tournament, but he had, a, he had a laborious route there and he didn't have to face, I don't think anyone ranked inside the top 25 to get to the final. So the way I look at it is that the next time he gets to a Grand Slam final, I'd have thought he might have smoothed out some of those rough edges in his game and he might be a better player by the time he gets there. I think the key for him is to improve his game and take that to a Grand Slam final rather than try and deal with another Grand Slam final with this game, if that makes sense. Because I think there are still so many ways he can improve and that's, that's a positive thing because he's he's already an established top 10 player who's won big titles but if he can improve his game and overcome this mainly this problem of the second serve the next time he's in a grand slam final he might not be having these issues and he'll be in a better place therefore to deal with the nerves i completely agree with you matt um 
but there is I, I do think there's a bit a little irony in there in that had he just managed to to nick this one today I think that in itself would have solved a lot of the problems because so many of the problems are psychological the the when things got tight today when Dominic team started surging back at him he reverted to his cautious default of being a six foot six inch counter puncher and suddenly his forehand that had looked world beating for two sets I mean it was rifling through the court in a way that I, I've never seen before suddenly the forehand was back to to dropping short and sitting up and and if he did try and go for it as you said it it, it broke down um and you know you could you could see the double faults coming and I think so much of that is psychological that just being a Grand Slam champion and having got over that hurdle however he had done it would have would have made it's kind of putting the cart before the horse isn't it that would have accelerated his game to the to the stage where he was perhaps a more not worthy. I'm not doing very well with words tonight. Worthy isn't quite right, but a more ready Grand Slam champion. But that would have been a shortcut, I suppose. That would have been a bit of a a cheat code. Uh, he'll have to he'll have to do it the slightly harder way. Um, and I uh, I hope this I hope this doesn't scar him in the way that it could. I'm a little bit fearful. Um, it, it could go either way. I mean, the level of devastation, obviously, that will spur him on. There is no doubting his desire. No one has ever doubted his work rate and his commitment. If anything, that's, that's possibly been to his detriment at, at, at moments in the past. You know, he's possibly worked too hard, trained too hard, thought that he could practice and train his way through problems when that's not always the case. Um but he was so broken today and you know only only four times in the open era has a man lost a grand slam final from two sets to love up all four of those occasions occurred at, at the french open it has never happened outside of the french open manuel Arantes, john McEnroe against Steve Van Lendel in 1984 um, and we know how much and, that hurt McEnroe. Yeah. Andre Medvedev on, against Andre Agassi um, and Gaston Gaudio against Guillermo Coria. Um, and OK, Manuel Orantes, Orantes went on to win the US Open the following year. So he did win a slam after that happened. John McEnroe went on to win Wimbledon after that French Open but that was it for his slams wasn't it and I take him slightly apart from it all because he was already a multiple Grand Slam champion at that stage but you know Gaston Gaudio didn't Andre Medvedev didn't I don't know it's I don't, I don't uh, guess, guess, uh, you mean Guillermo Correa oh, sorry didn't, I mean yeah. Guillermo Correa yes um, I, d I just don't think that is a great list of names for Zverev to find himself with. Do you, do you think you'll pull for him a bit more mentally in your in your mind after this? 
because I, I mean, I think I do think some of those images will stay with me. Yeah, definitely. You know what a sucker I am for that kind of stuff, for vulnerability and rawness, and I just want people to be real, even if the reality has some darker sides to it. Um, and yeah, I've you know I absolutely look. I'm sure that c- that can easily be undone with a chippy, irritating press conference comment. Um, but absolutely, I've, I, I sport for, for elite sport for me is about caring and wanting it. Um, and I really. As much as it was ugly at times, I really relished in how much he wanted it today and the fact that wanting it so much was his downfall. And I know that's awful for him, but it's it's uh, it's kind of a, uh, I don't know, help me out with words. It's a delicious It's kind of tantalising. Mm. Mm. And, Poor bloke. <laughs> and and the sliding doors, what this could do for team and what this could have done for team if he hadn't won this. I mean, he has mentioned yeah. himself that record that he had in slams a number of times and he's admitted it was on his mind in this match. And if he'd gone 0-4, I think no matter how he'd lost this final, if he'd lost it in straight sets and been terrible that would have been difficult to get over if he lost it in five sets having had the comeback and still not managed to win that would have been terrible to get over but the fact that he's won it now could change him as a as a force and as a player as well so it's i I mean the margins are so so more more dangerous now more dangerous now Mm. i think he is i think he could it could be a real launch pad for him because uh, I mean, it's been it's been a long time since anyone's doubted his game, since anyone's questioned whether he has the game to be a Grand Slam champion. That hasn't been in in doubt for for a couple of years now, at, at least um, since he since he won in since he won Indian Wells. I he think he imposed that game all the way through this tournament until that final today, and I just feel that there will come a point where he imposes that game against no matter who he's against. Uh, well, on exactly. That's what stage. I'm. That's what I mean, and that's about mentality, isn't it? It's hmm. about belief and mentality yeah. and conviction. And what could be more of a boost to all of those things than becoming a Grand Slam champion? It's a total validation of what you're doing. So, so yeah, I I completely agree. He'll he's more dangerous now. And I guess the next step for team is to win a slam going through one of the big three. I mean, not that, not that the fact that he hasn't done that diminishes what he's done, but there's a... I imagine there would be a sort of extra level of satisfaction for him if he could personally usurp them and have that kind of poetic changing of the guard moment. I'm knocking you off your court. I am now the man. Imagine if he takes Nadal out in the final in Roland Garros. <laughs> Nadal hasn't played a match yet. Yeah, but it's Nadal at Roland Garros. <laughs> <laughs> Staying in a travel lodge or something. <laughs> 
millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello Tennis Podcast listeners, David here. Now you might know that I love a bit of cooking, and I think I'm quite good at it. But if I'm honest, even I get fed up trying to work out what to do every night. That's where Home Chef comes in. Being able to put together a delicious meal without the long prep and the cook times, well that's pretty cool. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. They have over 30 options a week and serve a variety of dietary needs so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it's economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. Now, for a limited time, Home Chef is offering tennis podcast listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and, of course, free shipping on your very first box. Go to homechef.com slash tennis. That's homechef.com slash tennis for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard it right. A couple of uh, other results um, to bring you today. The, uh, the quad singles final was... Uh, won by the Dutch player, uh, Sam Schroeder, who uh, defeated Dylan Olcott. And the uh, wheelchair men's singles final was won by uh, Shingo Kaneda of Japan, beating um, Alfie Hewitt in the final. That was his 25th Grand Slam title. Was it? Blowing heck. Well, wow. I got to. Well, that's incredible. Whereas it was Schroeder's first ever first Grand Slam main draw as as a World Cup. Mm. Yep, that's so cool. Um, yeah, some good results there as well. Seven six in the third. Uh, Canada beat um, Alfie Hewitt. Two hours and fifty four minutes. Uh, I I got to speak oh, it was to. Epic. I got to speak to Jordan Wiley, uh, the British wheelchair player who in the doubles. Uh, was victorious today over Yui, uh, along with uh, Yui Kamiji, her long-term uh, doubles partner. And uh, Jordan, I mean, Jordan's great. They won six three six three, and she was telling me about how how great it was to to be watched by her two and a half year old son who was on the the video wall when she won mm-hmm. and um uh and she'd won the title before he was born i think a few years ago and 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 now here she's won it for the first time since he was born and um she's so inspirational i mean all all of these players are and um but uh but she's she's really cool she really cool. um she's supposed to get married this november but due to covid restrictions is 
postponed it to next November and Yui Kimiji is the bridesmaid at her wedding, mm. which is a lovely, lovely thing. The way they talk about one another is so heartwarming. It's just the absolute loveliest thing. Oh, that's great. Yeah, it's really great. Yeah. So, folks, the US Open has come to an end. This weird and sometimes wonderful <laughs> uh, US Open has come to an end. I mean, first of all, uh, I think overall, whilst it wasn't perfect, but the USTA did a pretty good job. Yeah, I I think I'd call it wonderful and sometimes weird. Mm. Um, I will never, ever forget it. No. Let's hope we don't have one quite like this again. <laughs> yeah, I really loved it, but please, God, don't let it happen again. Mm. Well, how about in approximately two weeks? <laughs> <laughs> well, they intend to have 10,000 fans in a day whilst they're getting 10,000 plumbing coronavirus infections a day in the country. That worries me more. You know, I, I actually think having one like this again feels feels more appropriate. But, you know, we'll see how the French Open goes. But I am concerned about it. But and, and I think, you know, the USTA, from everything I understand, it was incredibly close that this event would not happen at all. And I'm sure there were there was so much work behind the scenes that has gone on to get this event on and to run it safely. And yes, it hasn't always been perfect along the way, but I think for their for their kind of bold risk taking, but with with safety in mind, it's it's been a triumph, really, that it's that it's happened at all. Mm. Mm. Yeah. I would second that. It's uh I hope that all all USDA employees are more than three beers down right now. <laughs> Can you imagine the size of relief? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Bottoms up, USDA. <laughs> um, Naomi Osaka has been tweeting a little bit. Uh, my word, when she tweets, does she get a reaction? It's incredible. Um, I, I was I was looking. She's got about seven hundred thousand followers on Twitter. I know Twitter's you know, it's it's only one outlet, and it's it can't be the barometer of everybody's popularity. But there didn't are people. She, didn't she follow you for about twenty minutes, David? No, for about twenty seconds. It was clearly an accident. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, the uh, the. The other big stars in tennis who've got more than 10 million followers like Serena Williams and Roger Federer and Maria Sharapova, they don't get anything like the engagement that she does for a single tweet. I don't, I don't quite know how that works. She's only got 700,000, but she did a tweet yesterday which said, this is crazy, in a picture of herself with the trophy. 325,000 likes of that tweet. And... and the other players I've just mentioned, they, they, they just get a fraction of that. I mean, I don't know whether something's going on going on that's a bit weird with Twitter, but, I mean, I just feel like she's going to be so big in the future. Uh, or now? Yeah, but maybe, bigger. Maybe now is the future? She's going to be bigger. 
Now you're getting me confused. <laughs> Tomorrow, it's today. It's 5 a.m. <laughs> I'm getting very confused. Uh, but anyway. She, um, she talked about, um, she did her Champions photo shoot today, didn't she? Wearing a, a Kobe Bryant LA Lakers jersey. Um, and she she talked about his influence on her um and the the inspiration he gave her this this fortnight and she told this lovely lovely little story didn't well not even really a story just a one liner really about a conversation she once had with him where she said i'd how did she how did she put it i'd love to i'd love to be as good as you one day and he said no be better uh, that's that is just so great so so great yeah um yeah i dare say she is gonna do a lot lot more in her career than we even can imagine um and just on a, a note i'd like to finish on is just to say i mean we're we're intending to be back uh in, in a week's time i think really to review rome and um, whatever else has gone on and, and look ahead to, to what's coming up. Matt and Catherine have got their head in the hands at the thought of another podcast. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, that, that will happen in a week's time. I, in the meantime, if you haven't already, do look up our Althea Gibson and Arthur Ashe podcasts because they're the most important podcasts we've ever done, or certainly two of them. And um, they, they're the ones I think we're the most proud of. Um, I, I, I certainly am. I, I just there's such important stories to tell. Other people have told them, but we we really we really got a lot of different viewpoints and um, um, some wonderful tributes to to both of them, uh, along with the storytelling as well. So do take the time if you can to to listen to those two podcasts. I'm sure you'll 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 enjoy them. I t- I tell you what, boy, am I glad we did those podcasts before this US Open because knowing knowing about those two um, really enriched the way I was able to cover Naomi Osaka. I didn't, I didn't specifically mention um, that much about Althea Gibson or Arthur Ashe or what we learned about them during, during the making of those podcasts but I just felt I just felt such a such a bigger appreciation of the of the wider picture with with what Naomi Osaka is doing, and I'm very very grateful for that. Hmm. Well said, well said. Right, Matt, you've checked out the caravan. Yes, the caravan's no more. Yes, I had to do that because the checkout time was uh, 10 a.m. and I have not got up before 10 a.m in two weeks and i was hoping to have tomorrow just sleeping the whole day so i decided to come home and i've been trying not to raise my voice too much or laugh too loudly and wake up my parents but hopefully they haven't come down or sent me a message or anything so i think we're in the clear Their alarm goes off in a minute, folks. Yes. It's five oh five a.m. I mean, you know, he says he hasn't woken up at ten a.m. I mean, one day he didn't even go to bed till after that. 
So um, <laughs> that's uh, that's Matt's week. Yes, um, I've, I've, there's a um, sorry to give a very niche Bruce Springsteen reference, but there is a um, a story that Bruce Springsteen made the River album entirely being up at night, and I have felt very much like taking inspiration from that, finding some sort of stimulation and trying to get my mind working at night. I don't know. You work differently at night, I think. And, um, yeah, I've, I've channeled my inner Bruce these last two weeks. That sounds like I'm sounding ridiculous saying that, but um, <laughs> <laughs> I've tried. We, we love it. We love it. <laughs> what, what have you been channeling, Catherine? <laughs> Uh, what have I been channeling? Well, I really, I, I left the IMG studio today feeling really, really like, yeah, you've done a good job. Um, you know, I was really pleased with myself, patted myself on the back. It's all gone great. And then I'd been in the car about five minutes and I realized I left a drawer full of uh, my pants, <laughs> uh, <laughs> in my dressing room. So I'm going to have to call someone and ask them to, uh, retrieve my underwear (laughs) (laughs) and suddenly suddenly I feel less accomplished at life (laughs) I don't know I don't know what any of that means but that's the note I've ended on okay (laughs) and I've now got another suitcase that needs unpacking I haven't even been anywhere right then see that in six months Mm, Um. yeah Splendid. Well, I can only say from my my perspective, I have had the best time uh, recording these podcasts every night in the middle of the night with you both. Um, it's been absolutely Likewise. lovely. It's Likewise. been a joy, and, uh, and and I hope you've all enjoyed them wherever you are. Uh, we've had some some lovely messages, and it really has been heartwarming to us to to know that uh, that some of you out there appreciate the efforts we do go to we do want to make this podcast as good as we possibly can every time we do it um we did we deeply care about it and um i i hope that comes across um so thanks ever so much for listening um and we'll be back we'll be back in a week's time with a show about rome which is about to take place starting tomorrow and then we'll be doing daily editions of the tennis podcast from Roland Garros five slams yeah it's going to be amazing (laughs) (sighs) but first we're going to go to bed so what we will do is just say a massive thank you to (laughs) Zeus our mascot who has been an absolutely splendid Grand Slam mascot for the US Open thank you Zeus thank you to your your human Nicholas and with that we'll sign off for the night and go to bed good night see you soon mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for mother's day than whole foods market they're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts start by saving 33 percent with prime on all body care and candles then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just 9.99 each with prime round out mom's menu with festive rosé irresistible berry chantilly cake and more special treats come celebrate mother's day at whole foods market
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.